always care about what music you're playing. I will always care about the volume. I will always care about if the lights are correct and things like that. And so I obsess about those things because I think that it's not enough to just have good food anymore. We used yeah. to be able to get away with maybe, I always say there's like three things. You have to hit service, atmosphere, and food. You used to be able to get away with maybe one out of the three because there weren't that many restaurants. Everything has changed. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Studio Podcast. This is season two, episode three. I'm your host, Chris Allen, and today we're speaking with Oklahoma City restaurateur and founder of 84 Hospitality Group, Rachel Cope. Rachel is perhaps most known for her innovative ideas and passion for quality. Her flagship restaurant, Empire Slice House, is a New York-style pizzeria with multiple locations all across Oklahoma. In this episode, Rachel shares the story behind Empire Slice House and how an unwavering commitment to quality is essential to standing out in a booming food scene. You'll learn the three key ingredients to making and sustaining a successful restaurant and why a good atmosphere is vital to keeping customers coming back. You can watch the full unedited version of this conversation on our YouTube channel at The Entrepreneur's Studio. Rachel, thank you so much for coming to The Entrepreneur's Studio. This is the type of interview that I look forward to. And one of the main reasons why is because you're badass. Like, I just have to say, the magazine covers that I've seen you on, you know, you, you're kind of badass. Is and it the leather jacket? I think it has a lot to do with your style and your leather jacket. Yeah. So welcome to the Entrepreneur Studio. Thank you, guys. Appreciate yeah. it. Glad to be here. So glad to have you. You know, one of the reasons why I look forward to these conversations is because the type of person, the type of entrepreneur that I believe that you are, and from what I understand, and we're going to learn a lot more, that's the type of, of person that should have be able to get value from these types of conversations and get value from the studio. And also we have a lot of people who are just thinking about starting businesses that listen as well. So you have what I would consider significant experience. Yes, I, I sometimes forget <laughs> like what all I've done. Mm -hmm. uh, I actually have a pretty fantastic business coach who's based out of uh, here in Oklahoma City and not too long ago, I'm one of those people, I'm not like, what, what did I do yesterday? I'm like, what have I done today? Oh, okay. Um, and what am I gonna do tomorrow? Mm -hmm. I don't really think about what I've maybe already done. Yeah. And so she made me make a timeline of significant things that had happened during, I don't know, like a five year span. And I was like, fine. And she gave me a piece of paper and a little bit later I said, can I have like two more pieces of paper? And so that's when I really realized really how much has happened. Yeah. And how many things, not just myself, but our team has been a part of. and ups and downs and lessons learned and wins and all those types of things. So yeah, I guess there's been a lot. So upon reflection, you have uh, a significant amount of experience that you can share. Good and bad, yes. Yeah, yep. well, I mean, those are the best. Well, good, well, why don't you talk to us about uh, maybe just a little bit about the restaurant group and then let's go back to sort of your origin story about how it all got started. So the restaurant group is 84 Hospitality Group. For a while, when I was trying to think of something very clever for that, I just finally just said, well, I was born in 1984. It was kind of a fun Orwell, silly thought as well, perhaps uh, a joke with people mm -hmm. that I'm always watching. But yeah, so I landed on 84 Hospitality Group, which I thought also lent itself to sort of the age of the company and, and um, the youthfulness of it. Hopefully, I, I don't know, I just turned 38 in, on Christmas Eve, so I don't feel so youthful anymore. <laughs> But I'm gonna hey, hey, I'm gonna work it as long as I can. So the group is right now five different concepts. Um, we're always toying with new things. We have about 400 employees currently. Two stores that are 
in the process of being built we'll add you know another 50 or 60 staff to that just depending on where we land with um how many we need and can find that's mm -hmm. another fun thing right mm -hmm. now for everybody that is a thing but yeah it keeps growing and i'm nothing without our team that operates those stores daily and, and allows me to do what i think i'm best at which is create and i handle a lot of the you know the back end of those things unfortunately the legal part and the we uh, have a part-time cfo finally which has been extremely helpful which has shown me how much i really need a full-time cfo mm. because i've been handling a lot of that myself too but wow. um it's been important for me to learn how to do all of the things to an extent uh but at some point you know you need to be surrounded by people who know more than you yeah and i look forward to finding uh, a few more people to complete the team that we have now that we're back up and running in um, swing. yeah so we have i think uh we just had to close a store a fun little coffee shop that we had we closed it in december so i think we have eight units right now with two more on the way and who knows what 2023 will bring mm -hmm. but empire slice house that's sort of our flagship restaurant people probably know that the best it has the most locations mm -hmm. uh, we just opened our fifth uh, iteration of that off of 47th in, in may here in oklahoma city and uh yeah so it's been a fun ride it, yeah. in that group we started it in 2016 when we built our second and third restaurants to really tie all those together yeah from a marketing perspective and also so that we could share resources which became really important i realized oh, at that time yes mm -hmm. lots of uh, epiphanies i'm sure that's happened yes but it was all sort of born uh, out of a very interesting i'd say just an interesting local thing that happened so talk to us about you know how you got your first location <laughs> yeah so you know a little backstory is is that I played sports my entire life. Um, that is how I ended up here in Oklahoma City. I uh, grew up in South Tulsa, but transferred to Oklahoma City University here for my final two, three years of two and a half of college. And uh, I always waited tables in the summer. Okay. It was easy. It was fun. Mm -hmm. Cash money. You know, when it was time to go back to school, we quit and they knew it was coming. And so it wasn't like a career by, it yeah. didn't, wasn't a career at the time. So in doing that, I started working for some local restaurant groups after I finished college. I was supposed to go to law school, decided that I was kind of tired of being in school and just mm. wanted to have fun for a little while. Okay. And so that turned into becoming a manager at some of those places. And then at some point I felt like I was I cared more than those people did. Wow. Or I had different ideas and I felt like they could work. And so there was a contest that I saw in a district here artsy fun up at the time it was up and coming plaza district mm -hmm. and it was for an old laundromat space and it was a citywide contest and what the building owners were doing was saying what are you all what are your ideas for here they were really trying to involve the community which i thought was such a smart marketing a way to market that oh yeah because it brought awareness to it and it got everybody talking about it and then um it was so funny we saw all kinds of things like people said I want an arcade with the laundromat, but with beer and actually some of those yeah. exist now. They've, they've I don't now, think yeah. we have one here in OKC, but I know there's one in Tulsa. So we saw that and people said, I have a plant shop or there were all kinds of ideas. Yeah. It wasn't limited to restaurants. Yeah. So a friend of mine and I pitched a European cafe, which okay. was when I asked him what his strength was cooking wise he was you know really one of the only chefs my age that i knew who i thought was cool and was my friend and yeah yeah so you know so he said i'm eastern european and i was like eastern european yeah i said well I, like what is that pierogies and i said never eaten one okay let's do it so <laughs> you know i was a front of house person i ran the bar i did the business plan all that kind of stuff but i'm not a chef 
And so we pitched that. We did not win. Weird, uh-huh. <laughs> right? It's such a the good progr- idea. The progress didn't win. No, they didn't. And so I don't like to lose. Okay. I actually hate it. Right. Uh, my business coach, Gene Hopper, has recently reframed this for me and is calling it "winner learn." Okay. Okay. So I'm trying. Mm. To just not be so ugh, It about. isn't black or white. It isn't win or lose. It's like... <sighs> yeah, it's win or... What did you learn from when you yeah. didn't win? Mm-hmm. I'm like, you mean when I lost? Yeah. <laughs> when I got second place. When I got second place loser. is the first loser. That's right. Mm-hmm. You know it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, um, I go to Austin for the first time, which was kind of crazy thinking that because I've been there so many times now and I, I love Austin, Texas. And uh, I go to a pizza place on South Congress. This is like 2000, early 2012 or something like that, maybe mid 2012, called Home Slice Pizza. It's still there to this day. And uh, I was sitting there and I was like, oh, artsy district, Mm -hmm. pizza. I had worked at a pizza place uh, before as a server. It was wood fired, so it definitely wasn't the same style and I wasn't a cook there, so I didn't know how to make any of that. But I saw that concept and I was like, "Ah, this is what I should have done. And so fate plays a big role in a lot of things that I think happened to me mm-hmm. and for me and for our group. And I get back to the city and, uh, from Austin and I'm like, tell my buddy, I'm like, we're not gonna give up. We're gonna look for another space. Yeah. Uh, we're gonna another come up with a different concept. Maybe different a different concept. concept. <laughs> not Eastern European yeah. pierogies, got it. <laughs> and so I actually get a call from the developers of the laundromat building a few weeks later and they said, you know, the person that won the contest, we couldn't come to an agreement with on the lease. We really liked you all, but do you have any other ideas? <laughs> and I said, okay, hear me out, you know, pizza. In fact, I do. Well, it turns out they had done um, sort of a survey. They had someone come in and kind of do some kind of survey where they decided what they thought would fit best in the district. I don't know how someone decides that, but apparently we were thinking the same thing. Okay. And so they liked the pizza idea. The problem was we didn't know how to make pizza Mm. and they wanted to make sure that we could do that. Mm -hmm. And so we had to do some tastings. So we start like looking up dough recipes on the internet. We're using like a KitchenAid mixer in my rent house. Uh, That's like a small, like, you know, residential kitchen mixer. And the whole time I'm just like, this is not going that well. And I don't know how to fix it, right? Cause I can't cook. So we do our first tasting and everything was great except for the star of the show, you know? So they said, come back. You guys have basically 30 days kind of like get this figured out. We really like you, but yeah, your product is not that great. This is, I, this is amazing that this, these are the developers that are putting this kind of pressure on, on yeah. you guys to come up with something good. I could appreciate that though, that they did. And so I start kind of panicking cause I'm like, I don't know how we're gonna figure this out. I start researching a bunch of things and I find this school in San Francisco, Tony Gimignani's International School of Pizza. And I hit up my parents and I did not, I don't come from a wealthy family. You know, I went to Oklahoma City University on full scholarship or else I wouldn't have gone, been able to go there at all. And so asking them for any financial help, but I had no choice. And so they they did, they they put together about $10,000 for me to pay for the class, which was $5,000 to fly to San Francisco, to stay there for a week and a half. And like, they kind of bet on me, you know? And that was really cool. So I fly out there because I'm like, I'm gonna figure this out. And um, I go to school there for a week. It was really intensive. Tony really took me under his wing and he's a master of his craft. 
and there's a lot of funny stories of of being at school and but i was you know the only female there which is not yeah. new to me in this industry uh-huh. i actually think it's pretty fun <laughs> I mean. and uh yeah so i come back and tell my business partner at the time i was just like okay here's how you make the dough and here's how you do this. And I gotta tell you everything before I forget. And so we did and it really changed everything. And so the dough recipe that we use at Empire to this day is the recipe that we developed at school. Wow. I use the exact same tomatoes that he taught me to use. And uh, the other thing you cannot skimp on at Empire is the shredded mozzarella. And it has and always will be 100% whole milk mozzarella, even though it's you know one and a half times the price it was in 2020 Mm -hmm. right now which Mm -hmm. hurts but we can't stray from that it's made us who we are yeah 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 so that's that's what happened and empire was born and we keep arguing we're like was it august or september of 2013 we're going to figure that out because our 10-year anniversary is this year okay so we got to nail it down so we can throw throw the party and there should be a party thrown for that that's pretty badass to go from like the only female to go like to the school for your parents to bet on you and and for you to be like get you get picked the developers like yeah this is good this is what we need and, and then you, we won instead of lost and okay. you know i love that you won in round three it sounds like two three yeah got it i'd say round okay three. all right well mm-hmm. good well it seems like you have a passion to do well a passion for quality but at the same time the kind of the enthusiasm for concepts so how did that become the thing that you started to be an expert at so I didn't travel much of my life because I was so regimented in the summers. I was always playing competitive sports. And so if I was traveling, it was to go play a tournament. Yeah. I wasn't, you know, in Cancun with my high school friends on mm-hmm. spring break. I never did that. Um, and Me so, either, actually. Yeah, I'm kind of thankful mm-hmm. okay. <laughs> I didn't do that. It doesn't sound that fun, honestly, looking back. But I did get a chance to start traveling, you know, once I got out of college. I finally had time to try to do that. I didn't have any money, but, you know, I was able to go some places. And uh, at the same time, while working at some local restaurants and kind of being like, mm, I'm, I'm kind of into this and this mm-hmm. is fun, I really started loving food. But I was obsessed with figuring it out because it's like a, it's a never ending puzzle. It's always changing. Mm-hmm. No one knows everything. Mm-hmm. So there's plenty of room to create. And I, I, I liked that because once sports were over for me, I was like, what do I do now? Yeah. And so I started going to restaurants and I, I like to think of myself as a pretty intuitive, detail oriented person. I pick up on things. Mm-hmm. And so when I walk into a restaurant, I'm, I can, the music, you know, the volume, what are they playing? Does it fit here? It, it really affects my mood. Okay. So I kind of used myself as a guinea pig, I guess. Yeah. And, um, you know, what does that sound like? What does it smell like in here? Like, there's a reason you don't light scented candles in a restaurant mm-hmm. because, you know, you want to smell the food, not vanilla potpourri, whatever, from Bath and Body Works or whatever. Do they make candles? I think they do. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's not It use, would be awkward if not they did. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Um, and so I really pay attention to those things. And so to this day, you know, we call our restaurants hangouts. Uh, it's kind of how we refer to them and on our website and kind of in the, in the media and, and amongst each other because I wanted to create places that I wanted to hang out at. Yeah. And I wanted them to feel like a place I wanted to be at and have a good time at and be proud of at the same time. And so that's why is has become you know that's really what i focus on so much now i might not focus on you know are we fully staffed today and how's the spinach look i'm not necessarily doing that anymore 
I mean, sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> when I want to meddle. When you have a wild hair. Yes. Yeah. But I'm. I told the team. I was like, I will let go of those things and let you all do that. I'm. I understand. I need to back out of that, right? But here are the things I am always going to care about, and you just need to know. I will always care about what music you're playing. Mm -hmm. I will always care about the volume. I will always care about if the lights are correct and things like that. Yeah. And so I obsess about those things because I think that they really. It's not enough to just have good food anymore. We used yeah. to be able to get away with maybe, I would say there's like three things. You have to hit service, atmosphere, and food. Well, you used to be able to get away with maybe one out of the three because there weren't that many restaurants. Yeah, Everything has changed, mm -hmm. right? Especially in Oklahoma City, it's like booming. Yeah, it's a food scene for sure. Yeah, there's a new restaurant every few days, which is so awesome. Yeah, But to stand out, you know, you have to hit at least two of the three. I think you can be forgiven for missing one, mm -hmm. but it'd be really cool if you hit three for three all the time. That's those, those are those places that you go, that's my place. Yeah, I'm going back there, you know, especially if they do it consistently, it's pretty awesome. That's pretty remarkable. What are the three again? I feel like it's atmosphere, service, and consistency food. like with food and beverage yeah or you got to be good at those things yeah i think that's the hedgehog concept right you you're like i i know exactly what three things i need to hit on and then your concepts fit inside of those three things but it seems like you really obsess over mood right yeah it has the ability to shape your whole attitude yeah you ever walk into a place that's silent and it feels weird yeah. and maybe the server didn't come to your table for five minutes you're like i start feeling like Ugh, like i'm yeah, getting yeah. i'm hulking out almost you know mm, well, <laughs> i think people do especially when they're hangry yeah but, but like do you think that being a little obsessive over mood contributes to people coming back i think so and also you know there are five things i love about restaurants people food music booze and art and I don't know in what order, but yeah. you know, I think the order changes uh, based on my mood sometimes. But uh, yeah, I think that one of the things I loved about restaurants was creating experiences for people and community. And there's a reason, you know, our restaurants have tables that are all very close together or a bar where you can see everyone is because I love that New York vibe of going, hey, well, maybe in New York, they're not as kind as us here in the, in the Midwest, <laughs> but I love seeing people at Empire or one of, or Goro look over and go, can I ask you what you're, what you're having there? And they go, oh yeah, totally. This is fungus among us. Oh, I love mushrooms. And I go, want a slice? that's awesome to me right mm -hmm. it's like human interaction and i feel like we were a part of that and that's so cool to me because yeah. restaurants come and go like this stuff will end at some point but that impact on people is like i feel like that's one of my favorite parts about what we do yeah and i hope that people feel that and and i think that our stores have been pretty successful of making those experiences for people. Yeah, and I think that one of the one of the things I was asking you about it earlier because I wanted to verify that this was real. But Empire Slice House developed a very unique marketing strategy. And multiple I mean, you had a definitely an attitude and a vibe that was a strategy, but like talk to us about the tattoos. Yeah, tattoos. I got How did this happen? Man, okay, so one of our, you know, I was just speaking about community and and really the Plaza District is our many different retailers and restaurants uh, were surrounded by two different neighborhoods and so we were like how do we collaborate you know and and lift this place up not just ourselves because to me i'm like a rising tide lifts all ships mm -hmm. type person and so i wanted them to win too also i wanted them to like us and talk good about us and yeah, and yeah. uh i wanted them to stick around because i thought they were cool and so there's a tattoo shop in the plaza called no regrets 
and uh, one of the artists there uh, names Ashley she was awesome she's a big supporter of Empire and so in the very beginning we we're like oh let's we're, we have crazy ideas uh, let's make some tattoos mm -hmm. and so we decided she made four tattoos different designs and we decided that if you got one of the tattoos that you could have 50% off pizza like for life for or as long as these places last right yeah yeah and so amazingly enough people started actually getting these and um, I couldn't believe it and we really haven't marketed it that much uh, I was telling you earlier oh it's underground for sure it's it's coming though because I think it's so wild um, it is the wildest thing that I've heard in people a long time. who have no tattoos are like I don't have any tattoos except I got Ellie the elephant <laughs> you know because I got it I mean your pizza's kind of on the expensive side well mm. for for good reason because all the quality ingredients you know we mentioned earlier but uh, they're not cheap but uh, you're like mood costs something yeah it isn't just the food yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean I might still wire our sound systems myself to save money so we can spend it on the food but okay. you know whatever right. you got to do so yeah the tattoos that's pretty awesome and I think you'll see us in the near future expand on that and, and talk more about that so right now we have about 200 people who have the tattoos I want to make like a tattoo like yearbook I'm, I'm telling our marketing team figure out how to get everybody that has a tattoo to like show up and yeah. let us take like there's a like photo. a reunion and like tattoo reunion yeah oh my god. have to figure that out it's so cool i mean the the amount of people that talk about it i, I think one of the things that's really impressed me about what y'all have been able to do is the amount of word of mouth why do you think people talk about you just really you and your businesses as much as they do well i don't ever think about that until people like you pointed out yeah. so it's kind of like an odd question like i'll make sure a lot of people talk about yeah a lot of people talk about you all the time um i god you know i hope it's because all the things we've talked about so far you know that we've we obsess about creating these experiences and that we care about people especially in the past few years you know that's become so important to just be a good human and support humans and we do a lot of that. I think we've developed a really good culture, a very inclusive culture in our mm -hmm. company. And I love that. I wouldn't have it any other way. And I think people see that. I think everyone, you know, our price point allows for all types of people to come to our restaurants because you can spend four bucks at Empire or you can spend like 40. It's up to you. But it, if you only have $4, you can still come there. And that's, I love that. It doesn't like alienate anyone based on income. And I think, you know, a lot of our stores bring that affordability to uh, what we do. And then, I mean, I say this all the time, I'm nothing without my team. Mm -hmm. And I'm proud that we have multiple leaders in our company who've been with us for eight years. Mm -hmm. One, the director of Empire's been with us for almost nine years. He started as a bartender there. And they're caring and creating and they've seen where we came from. And so they're a huge part of that. And as far as, you know, people saying good things about me or the company or the the businesses, I hope it's because they've just had a great experience there and that we've impacted their lives somehow and, you know, word of mouth is the best marketing you can you can have. Did you know the Entrepreneur Studio is not only a podcast but a resource of free online courses, tools and tips? Our free on-demand suite of lessons is designed by seasoned business owners who have paved the path, learned from mistakes, and gone on to run thriving businesses. If you're ready to level up with easy and effective strategies, see the show notes of this episode or visit estudio.life to get started. When I was younger, I always thought I would end up being a coach 
somehow uh, in the future. And what I realized a few years ago is that I kind of am one. And one of those parts of being a coach is recruiting, right? And training and, and yeah. all of that. And so that's kind of what we do. A lot of the people at the 84 level on our team, we have something in common. They all played sports too. Okay. <laughs> we kind of figured that out later. But we have a lot of the similar intangibles, I think. Yeah. Uh, we just, teamwork. Teamwork, you know, and building that family and protecting each other and fighting for each other. And um, they have carried that throughout the company. And those are the types of leaders that we look for in those roles is that it's not about you, you know, mm -hmm. that old saying, there's no I in team. Yeah, yeah. But there's an Emmy, just kidding. There uh, is, there is <laughs> but I think we take a lot of that mentality throughout like what we do and how we, how we create that culture with the staff. We care about our staff. We try to help them as much as we can. And they, I think they know that. Mm -hmm. There was a time in the beginning, you know, I was working at Empire circa 2013, 14, and I get a phone call and, you know, a kid, instead of calling their parents when they got in trouble, like what well, they needed help, they called us. And I thought that was like, also call your mom, but yeah, we're, we can we can help you. Yeah. Where are you, you know? Yeah. And so it, it's hard because the larger you get, it's hard to have that kind of personal relationship. Yeah. I mentioned that we had our employee party on Sunday. It was, there were so many people there, but I was like, oh, I remember when I used to know everyone. Yeah. And I hate that I don't know everyone anymore. Yeah. But when I do go into the stores, I make it a point to, I want to know who's there. Tell me your name. What do you do? Oh, I read about you in the recaps. You know, oh, wow. great job with blah, blah, blah. I yeah. love reading the recaps. That kind of, we write those every night for every store and it has some big wins and some shout outs for people on there and some things that need work and, you know numbers are in there and things like that. Yeah. But I love reading about the staff. Yeah, And that helps me too, cause I can walk in and I'll, I'll have that like nugget of info about Colin or whoever. And they're like, wow, I've never met you before, but you know, you know me. And yeah. uh, so that helps some. Um, that makes an impression. I think so. Yeah. But yeah, we, we care. And I hope that that's why people, you know, continue to stick with us or as a recruiting tool that they've heard that about us. Yeah. Well, talk mm -hmm. to us about the bounce back, how things sort of bounced back from COVID and I'd say the recovery period and all that kind of stuff. How, how have you guys bounced back and what's some of the lessons that you've learned? From a business perspective, it's been really interesting um, because it's been a roller coaster. I've been to several different, watched some different speakers and, and about economics specifically. And it's it's been interesting, like during the pandemic, no one could really go spend money, right? right? Uh, the things that we spent, experiences and traveling and eating out, all that stuff, like, they just saved it all, you know? And so whenever the doors open and the floodgates open, everybody was going out. Mm -hmm. And they were going back to salons and they were going back to concerts, you know, to an extent. And they were doing, going to sporting events and doing all this stuff. And it was just like, wow, our numbers went from, uh, they were topping pre-COVID numbers. Wow. Um, and that was crazy. Now at the same time, the cost of goods was yeah. out, it was, is outrageous. And so even though our sales were higher, <laughs> We were struggling to one, source product, but two, keep our prices approachable and not change them. Like I, at one point I joked, I wanted to put market price on the menu <laughs> because I didn't want to have to commit to, you know, changing a pizza that was $25 to $30 because you know what's going to happen when the price of cheese goes down, the people who've been getting away with selling pizzas for $30, you think they're going to lower gonna their price? It. No, they're going to keep it. Yep. And I think that I, didn't, I don't want that to happen to us because at some point, as we're seeing right now, 
the, the word no one wants to talk about, you know, recession, people maybe not spending as much money as they were before. Luckily, we're in a very good place in the U.S. Like we have a lot of, I feel like, built-in protection for for some of that and mostly just our cost of living overall and the fact that we've diversified the businesses that are here and it's not just so oil dependent anymore. Mm-hmm. But with all that being said, you know, we saw that huge rise, but at the same time, nobody had any staff because we didn't have, you know, so we have all these sales and everybody wants to come out and eat and everyone's like, well, I only have 50% staff. So we were just taking tables out like, okay, come in, be on a wait, but we only have enough tables for how much staff we have. Like there's a lot, literally not even a table for you to go, why can't I sit there? Cause we took it out, you know? But so we went through that, we got restaffed. And then at the same time we were raising prices like a little bit. So it is kind of deceiving when we look at our year over year sales numbers, because I know that a lot of that is, it's more about how many units did we sell? I have to really look at that number versus going, how many dollars did we sell? Yeah. Cause we raised the price on everything. Yeah. But at the same time- It's a false positive in some some respects. Yeah, the so growth. there was, yeah. And so we saw that we really thought about living wages. And I know that's a big conversation in the restaurant industry and that's a whole nother podcast. We'll have to do another time, <laughs> maybe with a couple other people. That'd be fun to see what everybody thinks, but we were trying to raise people's salaries, you know, to, to more than what they've ever been. And, and how do we give health insurance to more people? And we started just, again, caring about people and what everybody went through and trying to figure that out. So not only did our cost of goods rise, but when we looked at our labor costs, you know, we have really been trying to pay people more. Yeah. And so, you know, that labor expense has gone up too. So it's been interesting, but for the most part, I'm extremely proud of what's happening right now. Yeah, I feel the best I've felt about what's happening in a while. Cause there was a time that I was, remember sitting in my house, you know, in the thick of things and just being like, what other job would I have? I've literally never done anything else. You know, it's not that I couldn't, Yeah, but I don't want to. Um, and so you gotta be a little bit crazy to be in this industry. You gotta be a little bit wild, I think. Yeah, yeah. well, you definitely have that. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, thanks. Well, I'd love to just chat with you about uh, how you think about the, the levers that you think about in your business and then talk about what you do to use that to either scale or give back. Okay, um, levers in our business and how we use those. Like how maybe you look at your P&L and then how that shows up in experience because you are you double down on mood and experience and things like that, right? And food quality and things like that. And you're looking at your P&L and you're like, how do I translate that to maintain our brand or our experience and what are, what are some of the things that we do training-wise? When you talked about upsell, uh, driving traffic, you know, foot traffic, you know, uh, decreasing wait times, you know what I mean? What are some of the, what are some of the levers that you Got it. sort of think about now? Well, the last two and a half years have really been about restaffing the restaurants, getting our food like back in line. We've adjusted a lot of recipes to try to decrease our food costs. We've had to do a lot of work on the guts right and so now what i'm doing is is i'm dedicating a lot of our resources to marketing mm-hmm. we're really ramping that up because mm-hmm. we've never had a marketing team really i i mentioned earlier my uh, younger sister chelsea operates most of our social media accounts which it's you think it's hard to operate like one brand <laughs> try having five personalities uh-huh. you have to be a certain kind of person to be able to really like do that so the, i'm really into the marketing stuff right now so not only have i been kind of hiring people and trying some new things because now we have all these operations and we have all these locations but now i gotta tell people about it yeah and 
how do I do that in a way that's effective and not that expensive? Yeah. Uh, and, and track attribution for right. If you're going to run multiple campaigns, how do I get people to come back and how do I know where yeah. it came from and what worked? Well, I was mentioning earlier, trackable information is so key. Yeah. Putting an ad in the magazine that was pretty expensive. Like, I don't know if anybody saw that. Yeah. I guess you tear it out and bring it in and get a free blah, blah, blah. I yeah. mean, you know, how do you do that? And so some of these rewards programs that are built into things like Toast or DoorDash or whatever, you know, there's some decent information in there, but we haven't really had a team to dedicate to looking at that. Yeah. So I have been spending some of our resources on starting to build that team. Mm -hmm. It's been really interesting for me to even learn about little things like SEO, I didn't yeah. know anything about. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that local search really helps you when someone's looking for pizza. I mean, I. You, yeah, because you know how many pizza places there are? Mm -hmm. That's why they told me not to do one in the beginning. Do you yeah. know how many pizza places there are? It's like, mine's going to be different. I think it did end up being a little bit different. But, yeah. Well, do, um, you, do you use like a Bright Local or something like that? Or, or and are you doing local search? Or are you, you know what I mean? And reviews and all that kind of stuff? Or are you doing sort of like broad-based SEO or are you using like an agency? These are good questions. And there's an agency that's been helping us. And I would refer you to them because I don't know the answer to that. But that uh, awesome. I will tell you, you know. You're talking to somebody who really likes SEO. So. Yeah. Well, we need to have a longer conversation. I need you to help me understand like. <laughs> it's smoke and mirrors and snake oil with a lot of agencies. So that's why I asked. Sure, that. sure. And um, yeah, I just, I think people go into SEO and they have an expectation, including myself, that you're going to immediately see some kind of result, right? Yeah. And it does take time. And my wonderful business coach has also reframed this word for me when I say that I am, people would refer to me as potentially impatient, but it's just, I'm so eager. <laughs> Eager, <laughs> right? I'm yeah. just so eager for a result. It's and not impatient. Enthusiastic and enthusiastic. Yeah, yeah. eager and enthusiastic mm. equals likely impatient. Yes, it mm -hmm. is true. Uh, so when I was so I'm watching this SEO stuff, I'm just like, God, it seems kind of expensive for something I'm not really seeing a return on. Yeah. So I've struggled with that um, as a small business. Yeah. And so you know, would I recommend that to someone? right off the bat no but there are things you can do to help yourself yeah you need to have a website you know you need to have your your google stuff needs to be updated like these things need to be updated and they need to be correct yeah and so that's one thing that from having an agency really did help us clean up a bunch of that yeah so. all your citations right all your all your uh all your listings for for local business listings and things like that google my business those are the big ones yeah yeah also i learned a recent lesson that i won't share all the details of but one of the old Empire website got kind of like stolen okay. because we let it lapse somehow. Oh. So we had to change our URL to something different because we couldn't get it back and it was a whole mess. So take care of your stuff. But mm. uh, it needed a change anyway, so it's fine. But somehow that was like still linked to something recently and the QR codes were getting sent to a very lovely site. <laughs> that was happening like in the middle of the weekend where our agency wasn't available and we couldn't figure out how to fix it. And so, oh my goodness, it was really hilarious. And so we laughed, we were laughing about it, but we were like, I mean, how did this happen? Yeah. So you let all that link juice go from that other domain you had to build from scratch. Oh man. Yeah. That and we switched from fun. Squarespace to WordPress. And so we had some things that just weren't quite cleaned up all the way. And so it led to a very funny situation. Okay. So take care of your stuff, people. Yeah. Well, yeah. Don't let your domain last. Don't and, let that lapse. Uh, anybody linking to you, make sure that you can keep the domain. So you yes, can. that is that is key. Yeah, staying organized as you grow is really hard. I'm not, yeah. you know, I'm such a. I just want to create and like be messy and not be very organized. Yeah. So you definitely have to surround yourself with people on your team who are like, okay, 
one, two, three, like let's let's put this in order. Yeah, this is the way that I think about it, like hiring and managing a team. It's like you have your producers, your entrepreneurs, your integrators and your administrators. And you like the producer is the person that'll color outside the lines to get it done. The entrepreneur is like great ideas, great to collaborate with typically administratively and finishing things. Those are the challenges, I'm familiar. And then uh, you got integrators and people that are great at connecting systems and people. And then your administrators are like, they're gonna have the checklists and keep everything organized and all that kind of stuff. And so I try to make sure I have in whatever team I have, I've got, okay, I've got my producer, I've got my entrepreneur, I can fill in there if I need to. And then I've got my integrator, I've got my administrator. And if you've got that, you've got a pretty whole team that you can deploy to do a lot of things because you know that all of it's going to eventually get done because the producer is going to push it and the administrator is going to track it. Well, and that's where I think like I've seen the most growth within our own company and what I'm able to do and why we're even able to talk about growing and, and creating more units is because the team is in a good place right now and we have enough people with those types of skill with those skill sets to for me to the things I used to have to go do myself. Yeah, they're able to take care of. And that is allows us to push forward. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they're having fun with it. That's good. That's the most important. Mm -hmm. If I were not having fun, which we weren't for a while, mm -hmm. you know, that that I don't want to do it anymore at that point. Well, what, I think one of the things that would be good to know is like the bringing things to the city. What it, what do you think is missing still? Man, that's a good question. I struggle a little bit because we are a landlocked state. And so I, this is no disrespect to any sushi that's in this city, but Uchi is, is, a gap. Uchi is one of my favorite restaurants. I don't know if anybody's ever been there before. It started in Austin. They have a location in Dallas, so that's not too far. You should go check it out. Denver opened not too long ago, one in Miami, and I think maybe one somewhere else, uh, Houston. And so that is like, wow. I mean, they're flying fish in from, you're getting stuff that we don't get to see here. Yeah. Tokyo is probably the place in town that I think also is does some of that. Mm -hmm. A lot of people don't know it's there and they might not think the vibe is as cool as yeah. some of the other places, yeah. but they probably have the most traditional lineup of sushi that I've seen in town. And so, I mean, but that's hard to do. We look at our friends at the Drake and go, man, like, you know, they went through some changes with their menu yeah. and it was closed for quite some time. And I love oysters. And so, you know, going to sit at the bar top there, but when you go to Seattle or you go to, you know, somewhere on a coast yes. and you see their selection, it's you're like, ridiculous. God, you know, why can't we have that? So I get frustrated because I want those things here, but I'm not sure if we're willing to pay for those things. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what's kept some of that from happening. And I think if you do that, you have to keep it in a very small curated footprint so that you're able to get away with maybe, you know, 400 people or less that just love your place that create that consistent business and who yeah. can afford to come there because it is expensive i yeah. mean you look at those places and you're like four dollars an oyster for yeah. an oyster and you go to east coast west coast and it's maybe half the price for one so i would say you know that we are lacking there but it's not that we don't want to try mm -hmm. it's just that i'm not sure we can get it yeah do you do market research or anything like that? Or is you, do you literally go on a, on a gut and make bets and try I would it out? say it's that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but I've, I've grown up in Oklahoma my whole life. Yeah, and so, yeah. you know, You've if I, the pulse. if I go somewhere, I go, would my family and Ada like, like this, you know, how do I make this approachable for, for different, you know, types of people in the state? Because, uh, there's a lot of diversity here and that's really important to me. Like when we first started Goro, it was very important to me. I knew there were going to be words on the menu 
that were hard to pronounce and I, I struggle with wine you know you go to a place and there's maybe like a french wine or something i have a french minor and i like still refuse to try <laughs> one because my accent just gives it all away but uh you know it puts you in a situation where you almost don't order what you wanted to order mm-hmm. because you feel like insecure insecure about yeah. saying it and so it's been very important to me to include a glossary on there and almost like a pronunciation guide. Okay. And we also try to stay away from using those words. Like we just say, like instead of saying Narutamaki, maybe say fish cake. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then try to explain to someone what that is. But I think taking those things that we see other places and then kind of bending them mm-hmm. and going, okay, that was cool, but how do I make it really approachable and easy to understand, but with a, a firm, gentle nudge to educate yeah and move forward yes but unfortunately you know in the past few years the things that we were doing that we thought were so fun like we had to stop doing those and it was just about the bottom line yeah and that really like sucked the soul out of what we were doing for me a little bit and i was just kind of like down about it yeah that's really when you know neon was a little coffee shop in the plaza we put it into a space that we still had a lease on we had moved empire's little slice shop out of there as i mentioned before and so that place it only lasted like a year but it was really important for me because it allowed us it allowed me to do something creative mm-hmm. that i felt like had never been done and try to do something new and so you know what that was for me that was for like my brain and our team so that we could do something fun and not have to just be like well chicken's too high again like i guess we're gonna have to take chicken off the pizza which makes it not as good but we can't afford it you know and so that was getting so old so neon was for that and it was for the community and we did it for a while and you know things change and we have to make other decisions but you know thank god for that little place for a while yeah because it was fun it brought some spark back totally and it kind of gave us like oh okay we can create a little bit in yeah. a in a we did it in a way that wasn't too risky because we already had you know most of that there okay well i've asked you a lot of open-ended questions but now i have some rapid fire questions Ugh, for i've you. been practicing this i yeah. listened to the other ones and i was like okay what's he gonna ask me we already covered sushi so i already well, got rid of that one all right well what's your favorite food city outside of Oakland? chicago all right super good <laughs> i went there pretty fast with that one i was just talking about that place the other day man. yeah that's so it's so awesome it is a good food town yeah well what's one food dish that if you could have it the rest of your life what would it be pizza Okay, I love that. And that's not, that's true. That's I mean, true. Yeah, people are like, you're like, I went to school it. there to, to learn how to do pizza, and that is what I'm eating. Man, I do really love pizza, but also I love macaroni. <laughs> and I ate too much of it the other day at my sister's house. So I don't really like that like, myself go that hard on pasta <laughs> these days, trying to shed the, the COVID weight. But uh, man, that macaroni really was, was kicking that was day. speaking to you. It okay. was. Well, what's a guilty pleasure of yours? Other than macaroni, um, you're like what? Should I do I like say to play blackjack, time? so that's oh, like a thing. Okay, yeah. that's, not like that's too okay, much, yeah. but I have to be in the right mindset. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, uh-huh. well that's good. Well, what's one new interest or hobby you'd like to explore? It's not really a new hobby, but it is kind of like bringing back something that I used to do. So I love music so much, but I used to play. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And my sister's a musician here in Oklahoma City, and. Uh, I get to kind of live vicariously through her, but 
I watched this movie the other day. Has anybody seen Tar with Kate Blanchett? Because it is incredible. But she learned classical piano for the movie, as well as learning like five languages and a bunch of other cool stuff. She's amazing. Yeah, she is amazing. But um, I have a piano in my house and I always kind of like tinker with it. Yeah. But I was like, you know what? I'm going to get a piano teacher and I'm going to go for it again. Because wow. I really love, I love music kind of. Yeah. We've talked about that a few times. So I think I'm going to rehab the... Uh, go back and play some some music i need some hobbies that just keep me at home too because i yeah. am always running around oh i can tell uh -huh. yeah, it's, it's the attitude yeah <laughs> what's a lesson you wish you'd learned early in life man i don't know if this is like it's kind of an ongoing lesson and i have learned this lesson through golf which is the matter i get the worse i play and i wish i would have learned that when i was in college <laughs> <laughs> i probably would have been like an all-star man yeah. but i just let my my like anger you know and being mad at myself kind of take over and in those moments like blinded by mm -hmm. being mad at myself i played worse so this is the eager meets enthusiastic thing again yeah so golf has taught me that because if there's one sport that you will be bad at if you get mad it is golf no oh, doubt well, that's, so i just that's... started playing that recently and it's been Apparently, if you don't practice, you're not going to be good, which I don't understand. Why yeah. can't I be like an anomaly? Yeah, why can't? I mean, that little tour. ball. Well, what's next for you? What's what's next? I sometimes say that I like I feel like I have three acts in my life and I feel like kind of the sports life was kind of like maybe one and then this restaurant career is two. And I'm really curious to see what act three might be. I don't know that yet but i do know that i'm seeing this new model for restaurants in my head i mean they do exist but not everyone's doing it and so i'm really focused on creating this blueprint right now that are restaurants for now and for the future and those you know there are some important things about those and so we're about to try one we haven't told anybody where yet but it's going to be a new concept and it's going to be really rooted in what i think is the restaurant of the future Oh man, that sounds awesome. You gotta tell us about it. We're gonna- well, I hope it turns out well or else I'm gonna, you know, I'll be like, damn, that didn't really <laughs> there go goes how Act I three. I yeah, there goes Act Three. One. Now I gotta go to architecture school. Oh, I don't know. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. Yeah, you went to pizza school, now you're gonna go to architecture school. <laughs> I watched school. Grey's Anatomy for too much too long recently and I was like, I'm gonna be a doctor. So <laughs> you know, I just am one of those people that thinks anything's possible, but I probably hey. shouldn't do that. Oh, that's that's awesome. And I, I'd say Rachel, I mean, the amount of badass things that you have done, I hope that you continue to innovate and continue to push the envelope and, and uh, continue to build teams the way that you the way that you have because it's uh, it really does affect the community and we just uh, it is awesome to have you on the appreciate on the show. that yeah the support from the community is what allows us to do that and I've lived here my whole life and I you know I, I love every minute of it and continue to look forward to just lifting Oklahoma being part of that so thank you guys so much thanks for coming to the studio you got it thank you for listening to the entrepreneur studio podcast for links to the resources mentioned in today's episode, or for more information on how we can help you run and grow a better business, see the show notes for this episode.